The FT. European Union members are meeting to discuss tightening sanctions on Russia in response to the crisis in Ukraine. I spoke to Courtney Weaver, FT correspondent in Moscow, about Russia's response to the latest moves. Courtney, could you summarise what international sanctions have been imposed so far, and what the EU is proposing? The EU sanctions that are being proposed now are the most serious from the EU to date. Basically, what they would do is significantly cut off the three major Russian energy companies, which are Rosneft, Gazprom, Neft, and Transneft, from Western financial markets. And until this point, the EU had been reluctant to target Russian energy firms because of all the ties between Russia and the EU with energy. So this is a big step forward for them. Previously, both the U.S. and the EU have targeted major Russian banks and cut off their long-term access to capital markets. They've also targeted a number of high-profile Russian politicians and a few Russian businessmen who are believed to have ties to Putin. The sanctions, they're not affecting the aggression economy um, automatically. They're going to have more of a long-term effect than an immediate effect. But basically, what experts and economists are predicting is that over time, these new sanctions will significantly slow down Russia's economic growth, which is already hovering close to recession, and significantly hurt Russian companies' ability to raise new funds and capital markets, even if the companies aren't sanctioned themselves. Could you give me an idea how the sanctions have been covered in the media in Russia, and what the response of, the, of Russia's dwindling opposition has been? Since the annexation of Crimea by Russia in March, we've seen. A real shift in Russian state media, which was obviously always pro-Kremlin, but with the new sanctions, we've seen a real push by the state media to portray Russia as the target of Western aggression and portraying the sanctions as a reason for Russians to rally around their country. For instance, when Russia imposed its anti-sanctions, which were banning imports of EU and U.S. produced meat and cheese, Russian television started talking about how. Western vegetables and fruits have a plastic taste, and how this was a great opportunity for Russian agricultural producers to go into overdrive and to really boost the Russian economy. Around Moscow, there are lots of advertisements for anti-sanctions, which is kind of a joke on the Western sanctions. And there's a lot of bravado by the Kremlin that the sanctions won't actually affect Russians and the economy. And this has coincided with a real decrease in the influence of the Russian opposition. A new poll this week by Levada Center, which is an independent Moscow pollster, said only seven percent of Russians are willing to take part in political protests these days, which is a record low for the country. And even a lot of members of the opposition have actually sided. With the Kremlin over its policies in Ukraine, even if they opposed Putin previously. What about in your dealings just with ordinary people and businesses in particular? Do you detect concerns from them about the impact of the sanctions? There's definitely certain concerns, both among the state companies that have been targeted and by individuals that have been targeted. That yes, the sanctions are seriously hurting their companies. Grows. You know, Igor Sechin, the head of Rosneft, the state oil company, at the beginning he was quite blasé about the sanctions, but more recently in his comments, he's admitted that this will affect the company's projects going forward. But I think it's not as many people as would be expected that have actually come out and said yes, the sanctions are really hurting the Russian economy. A lot of people are、uh, portraying the sanctions as a way for Russia to, to build up its own domestic economy and become more self-reliant,、um, especially among ordinary Russians. A lot of people think this is great. This will be like going back to the Soviet Union when Russia was a strong country and when we had a strong economy. 
So I think, uh, for now, at least, the general perception of the sanctions is that they won't affect Russia dramatically, even if that's not actually the case in reality. So the mood on the street is, is broadly supportive of Putin and, and unconcerned, Could you would you say? Absolutely. I mean, Putin's approval rating has been among the highest it's ever been. It's been hovering around 85% uh, for the past few months. Even people who didn't support Putin before have really rallied behind the president. Uh, they really respect the way he's acting on in foreign policy and standing up to the West. Uh, and for now, they're basically unconcerned about the sanctions. And finally, what are the sort of latest pronouncements from, from the Russian government itself? Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev gave an interview to Russian newspaper Vedomosti this week in which he warned about Russia's asymmetrical response to EU sanctions. And he said that if the EU went ahead with its sanctions against the Russian energy sector, which it appears that it's about to do, that Russia would respond asymmetrically. And one of the possible responses that he mentioned was cutting off EU airlines' access to Russian airspace. So this would mean that EU planes would have to fly around, basically outside Siberian airspace, in order to travel to Asia, which would obviously seriously affect EU airlines. And the other interesting thing he said in the interview was he, you know, he talked, this is more about the bluster of the Russian elite when it comes to the sanctions. He said that, he mentioned that after Tiananmen Square in China, that the West imposed similar sanctions against China, and he was basically bragging that now China is about to become the largest economy in the world. So... Russia's saying it's going to stand up to the Western sanctions and ready to impose its own response, which could be quite dramatic. But behind the scenes, I think they've been a bit more conciliatory, have they not? And at least the ceasefire in Ukraine is holding for the moment. Yes, I mean, the ceasefire, there's obviously still some shooting going on. So it's still a question at this point for how long the ceasefire will hold. But I think it's obviously in Russia's interest at the moment for the ceasefire to hold because the EU has basically said that if the ceasefire does hold, then you know, perhaps the sanctions won't go ahead. And even though there has been all this bravado that Russia is not being affected by the sanctions, in reality, they're obviously going to take their toll in the long run, and Russia doesn't want to see that. Thanks very much, Courtney. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.